0: This is Stephen Strang and I am so excited about my new book, "Guide and Cancel Culture. Just the day I'm recording this, our advanced reader copies came from the printer. These are the copies that we send to different media around the country as we prepare for its release on September 7th. Well, here's an interview that I did with Mario Murillo. Uh, He's one of our most popular guests on the Strang Report podcast. We actually recorded it as a Zoom call. You could see it on charismanews.com. I just wanted to record this introduction to my new podcast, God and Cancel Culture. Stay tuned and be sure to listen to the message at the end about how you can pre-order this important book.
1: Welcome to The Strang Report with Steve Strang on the Charisma Podcast Network. This episode was produced to discuss and address issues within our nation and around the world from a Christian worldview.
0: I'm very honored today to be able to interview Mario Morillo, who I have known a long time. And uh, he's had a very effective uh, ministry going all the way back to the University of California where he had a ministry called Resurrection City back in the early 1970s. I know because I visited it one time. And then after all these years and many effective years of ministry, the Lord has really raised him up as a voice, which is why I wanted to do this interview. It seems to me that he is on the cutting edge of what the Lord is doing right now. So I'll start by greeting you, Mario. Thank you for taking time to work in this interview.
1: Steve, it's always wonderful to do an interview with you. I always feel good afterwards, like we've really accomplished something.
0: Well, thank you. Earlier today, I did a TV interview about my new book, God in Cancel Culture. And the host was just talking about how bad everything was. and And of course, he was getting me to agree with a lot of it. But I told him that actually... You know, if I can say all the bad that's going on, of course, in some ways it's been going on since the beginning of time, and certainly in our lifetime in the last several decades, but it seems to be crescendoing and moving forward at almost warp speed. But I told him, I said, You know, the Word of God is true. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And I even gave him your example about a hurricane that I used in my book. So why don't we start there? Why don't you talk about this vacuum? That we've talked about before, and then talk about what you see God doing in this very, you know, difficult day that we're living in.
1: Well, the Bible is chock full of examples of how things looked versus how they really were, and the most beautiful example was Gehazi and Elisha. Ten thousand soldiers came to arrest the prophet, and his Bible college graduate that he had just hired, Gehazi, was terrified. And Elisha was totally calm. And he looked at him and he said, there are more with us than there are with them. And then he said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And he saw the fiery chariots that were innumerable. And the entire script is flipped. You, you take that to Ephesians and you see the same exact verse. Only this time it's Paul talking to the Ephesians saying, my prayer is that God will open your eyes To understand the riches of his calling and inheritance in the saints, to understand the power of God that he demonstrated when he raised his son from the dead. So, to answer your question directly, I'd like to comment that the millennials, they just released, Barna just released a report saying they don't believe in God, they don't want God. And it sounded horrible until he got to a part of the report that was very illuminating, because what he said was, is that they're trusting in horoscopes, arts, and media, meaning that their philosophical approach to spirit is feeling and emotion. It's an impulsive thing. It's not a rational, settled fact. It's, it's not something they constructed after researching and seeing what's real. And that's when it hit me. They are vulnerable to the presence and the glory of God. If they walk into a meeting and they feel the presence of God, and then I had to smile because you brought up Resurrection City. The same statistics held true in 1966 through 1970 about the youth culture. They abandoned church. They didn't believe in God. They were getting stoned. In some ways, their abandonment of tradition and morality was more pervasive than this generation. So we've been through all this before. And just like the Hurricane Center can say, we've been through all this before. There's going to be a a drop in pressure. The winds are going to come in violently to equalize it. And that's what's going to happen in America. The youth are going to experience God. And that's what we're seeing in our tent crusades.
0: Well, that's exciting. And I remember that era in that in those very years you mentioned, Time Magazine had a cover story that said, God is dead. I mean, it was a big deal at the time. And there were riots in the streets having to do with the Vietnam War. We had several assassinations having to do with civil rights, of course, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. but also Bobby Kennedy. It was a very, very difficult time and the drugs and everything else. And I remember that was during a difficult period of my life and I can remember kids at school looking at horoscopes and so we talked about it i mean i was never raised that way it was all something new but you know i can remember that the youth the youth culture of the day uh, was interested in it and then just a couple of years later probably 1970 plus or minus the time magazine had a cover on <laughs> jesus christ superstar and on the jesus people movement and you know it probably actually started a couple of years Before that, mainly out in California, Chuck Smith down in Costa Mesa is one that's remembered as being, you know, very involved with that. But I can remember, you know, people in my Pentecostal church that I grew up in talking about, can you believe these people with long hair and torn blue jeans and bare feet are walking down to the front of the church and sitting cross-legged and holding these huge Bibles? I mean, it kind of became a stereotype in a way, but you lived through that, too, what do you remember?
1: Well, what I remember, and this is why, uh, you know, I want to also answer why it's important to remember, is that there's, there's something very dangerous about our age group in that we do remember. And things don't throw us like they throw, uh, throw other people. And what I remember is David Wilkerson preaching and conviction falling on thousands of young people at one time. And they would some be so paralyzed in their chairs, they'd have to be carried to the altar because they wanted to be saved, but they couldn't move. And weeping and groaning. Well, now fast forward to our tent crusade in Bakersfield, where you could hear automatic gunfire within four blocks of the tent. And yet it was packed and all the flaps are up and hundreds are sitting outside and the temperature is 45 degrees, and they're shivering, holding their Bibles. And suddenly a young man who uh, is a drug dealer runs up to the front with a bag of marijuana, throws it on the floor, and, and motions to me, I have to be saved right now. I have to be saved. And now we would watch others start Uh, rocking in their chair back and forth with their arms crossed, moaning. I'd have to stop the service so that they could be born again. So now it's happening again. The same darkness, the same wokeness, the same cancel culture. But in, in that day, it was different. We couldn't rent a hall on the university campus if we were Christian. If we prayed, we were banned by the Associated Students of the University of California absolutely not allowed and and there was that constant threat there was a group called the students for a democratic society which were basically yeah they were terrorists well they they sent a note we had an overflow crowd of young people back in the 70s and we got a note that said there's a bomb in the building and i knew it was a lie but we we were threatened we had all kinds of things like now but the key is that when you see jesus said it see there's a basis in christ for expecting a sovereign revival there's a basis for it and it's when he said you look at the sky and you see it's red and you know what's coming when i look at the signs of our children and the culture and what others see as a discouraging symptom, I, see, I get excited because the devil has overplayed his hand. This recent uh, video by the Gay Men's Chorus that came out of San Francisco, which basically they're smiling at you and they're getting this, this, uh, this flaunting look and they say, we're coming after your children. We're gonna get them. And so I'm watching a full circle and there's no doubt in my mind that the spirit of God's going to be poured out. In fact, I, I have this uh, letter in front of me. You know, you, you remember I saw the glory of God in a dream over Highway 99. But, but I, for now, I just want to finish uh, this question by s- telling the audience it's coming and it's already here. And it's scary. It's scary good. And it's stronger in my mind than the Jesus movement.
0: Well, that's uh, music to my ears. It makes me think of something that Michael Lindell said when I interviewed him for my book. You know, Mike has been attacked like nobody, uh, Donald Trump himself. And oh he yes. said, we're gonna look back at this and say, if this hadn't happened and this hadn't happened and this hadn't led to something else, we wouldn't have this wonderful outcome. We had to go through all these steps. It's right. a very optimistic way to look at it. And I think that there's a lot of truth in that. But let's talk about a little bit. I want to know what you think about the fact that there have been times, in fact, I'm going to cite a couple of examples where things have been snuffed out. You know, the prophet talked about the smoking flame in the Old Testament how you right. you know, if a flame is small enough, you can take two fingers and stop it. You get one of your forest fires going out there in California and they they have hundreds of firefighters and they still can't put it out. So, look at the charismatic movement In the mainline churches, which happened mainly in the 60s and 70s. I mean, Episcopalians and Methodists and Lutherans and all kinds of people who, you know, you don't really know where they were spiritually, but many of them were lukewarm or cold, or they didn't really believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, you know, in prayer meetings, usually people laid hands on them. They were speaking in tongues. They were preaching about it. And there were huge movements in some of these denominations. But, you know, gradually, these denominations who opposed them basically got rid of these people. They, uh, you know, there are a few trials where they were called heretics and maybe even excommunicated. Usually they were just hassled so much that they ended up kind of dropping it, which some did. But many just said, hey, it's easier to go down the street and start an independent church or to join one of the other denominations. And you don't see any of that in the denominations today. Now that's in our own lifetime, in our own culture. But we know that communist nations have been, some communist nations, mainly Albania, North Korea, uh, have stamped out virtually all Christianity. Russia never did. I've been to Russia and I met with the Pentecostals, but I mean, they were cowed, uh, they were quiet, they didn't get any promotions at work. They had very, very, very limited freedom. Uh, but were never totally stamped. So, and and we know of other examples, too, in history. Uh, In Islam, you know, some of the Islamic countries, uh, Turkey being the best example, that was Asia Minor, where the seven churches of Revelation were located. And you find very, very little example of Christian churches in Turkey to this day. Andrew Brunson, of course, who was jailed for being a, a Christian missionary, was there, but, you know, the churches they have were basically Christians who had moved to Turkey from other countries and they had a little tiny bit of religious freedom kind of contrast to what you were saying, where, when this happens, it doesn't succeed and, and actually revivals about to break out.
1: Well, here's how I'd like to answer that. Every generation Steve has two dynamics that influence their, their uh, power structure and their direction. One is prophecy and the other is policy. And in in history, God arranges events for the sake of the prophetic and the anointed core. I know that for a fact. We watched Daniel come into Babylon at the very bottom of culture and slowly comes to the top. One of the vivid examples of that was when Joseph and Mary were required to go to Bethlehem. And it says that Caesar Augustus created a policy. So he must have felt omnipotent creating that policy. But he was being pulled by a prophecy from the, from the Old Testament, where it was said, though you are the least of all the tribes of Judah, yet out of you will come a leader whose origins are from before time, Bethlehem. So Mary and Joseph didn't get to Bethlehem because of the obvious law of Caesar Augustus but the prophecy and that Old Testament prophetic word was why it happened. Now let's let's look at another example. I'll make it real quick cuz I don't want to uh, turn this into an open-ended Bible study. I just want to be very direct. When Jesus began his ministry, everyone assumed it would be in Jerusalem. What? What? Where else would a Messiah originate from? Well, the northern tribes were looked at as stepchildren. They had been invaded. That's how we ended up with uh, in the Gadarenes. Here are farmers raising pigs. How is that a Jewish part of a culture? And their kids were looked on that way as second-class citizens. So Christ begins his ministry up there in the desolate and the. And Isaiah prophesied it when he said, the people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. Now, what I'm watching in California, our first tent crusade in Fresno in October was against the law. It was illegal. It was literally Gavin Newsom saying, stay home. I said, I'm not staying home. It said, don't have any public meetings. And I had a public meeting because God told me that everything Gavin Newsom had said was illegal. Not only did it violate the word of God, it violated the U.S. Constitution. And because of our friend Cheon winning that lawsuit, that's been verified. Locking down the church was illegal. It was discrimination. But what we found was, again, prophecy trumped policy. And the church has got to understand that these cultural trends as dark and as violent as they are, that even in Turkey and Albania and the Soviet Union, and even in China, there's going to be outpourings of the spirit, not because it's culturally uh, susceptible, not because there seems to be any sort of tendency, but because there's a prophecy. And that prophetic power is what's being released. And sadly, I believe the prophetic gift is being commercialized it's being trivialized, and it's being like so many, and you've watched, and that was one of the powers of the Charisma magazine. It was a clearinghouse and a, a, a uh, monitor of what God was doing in the earth. And part of the time, Charisma magazine had to straighten out some imbalance, and that was a part of how God used it. Well, right now, the prophetic gift, any gift— that is going to be front and center in revival, the devil will attempt to counterfeit it before it reaches its maximum power to do harm. To what evil. are
0: some examples that you see that you feel are dangerous?
1: Well, what I feel is, is that, for one thing, we're talking to ourselves. Everything you described, from Chuck Smith to the charismatic movement, the outpouring of the Spirit, was always outward. The church left the four walls of the church, and and literally sacrificed itself on behalf of society. Then I think things started happening. We found a way to commercialize it. We found a way to profit from it. And we found a way, uh, you know, here's here's an unintended consequence. Christian television was designed to benefit the church, but it became inadvertently a way for us to be in a ghetto that the secular society didn't hear from us anymore. Compare this four times a year. Billy Graham was on the tonight show four times a year. Catherine Kuhlman was on with Johnny Carson, the same with Oral Roberts. So in 12 of the 52 nights that you would watch, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. In 12 of the 52 nights that you would watch the tonight show, there would be a born-again message or a spirit-filled message being preached. And it went out, and we didn't even have to pay for it. Then we started buying time. And while I'm not against it, and I believe, of course, Christian television has a great place. But what is important is that once again, the church is turning outward, this time catalyzed by political activism, which a lot of pastors are saying, oh, that's not good. I'm telling you it's excellent because they don't want drag queens reading to their children, they don't want abortion, they don't want to lose the culture, they don't like critical race theory or the erasure of American history. But that's going to lead to an awakening. Like Lance Wall now says, the most natural audience for Christian revival are the people that are attending Trump rallies who aren't even Christians. Because regardless of what you think of Trump, audience, they love America. They're carrying a flag. They're talking about God. They're sensitive. And that is fertile ground for the gospel right now.
0: And Clay Clark is having these huge uh, rallies with General Flynn and Mike Lindell. They're calling him uh, Awaken America. And he told me in just private conversation this week that they have an altar call, and he cited some statistics that I don't remember right now, but a very large number of people were coming forward at those rallies. Now, they're not political rallies, per se. It has nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats, but it's from the grassroots, people saying sort of enough is enough. We want our country to change. But you can get all the political activists, you can get all the conservatives, And in fact, we've had some conservative politicians that have made things as as bad, in my opinion, as the liberals. Now, of course, today, what we see goes way way beyond what I would have thought of as a liberal back in the 70s. But that's a discussion for another day. But you're right. These are fertile grounds for people to accept Jesus. So let's talk about this. Yes, sir. So I'm a Pentecostal. I, I suppose you call yourself that too. David Wilson. Yes, was I sure do. It was. And it, it went back to the Pentecostal revival of 1906. Of course, America had had a great history of revivals going back to the Great Awakening in the 1700s, the Second Great Awakening in the 1800s. Even the holiness movement was summer camp meetings and all that kind of stuff. And it was kind of out of the holiness movement that these people in Los Angeles started speaking in tongues and people came from around the world to see it. But even there was a prophecy. A lot of people don't know this, but the LA Times was there with a reporter to make fun of these goofy religious people. And some man prophesied, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but God was going to show his judgment. And like a day or two later was the famous San Francisco earthquake of April- 1906, I mean, within days. And it was those kinds of things that were in the press. And then people came from around the world. They came by train, they came by ship, and took the Pentecostal message around the world. And it's been a revival, of course, it's touched hundreds of millions of people. And then, of course, we had the revival since then, the charismatic movement, in my opinion, was a revival. It was a revival among the non-Pentecostals. In fact, the Pentecostals weren't even sure they thought Roman Catholics were even saved. And here they were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Jesus movement was a part of that whole thing. And we've seen other revivals at Toronto and Brownsville that were more localized, but they were examples of people being stirred. Now, in the middle of all this covid mess, are people like you, Sean Foyt, is someone who's had some great meetings around the country. There are pastors like Greg Farrington, not too far from Sacramento. Cheon, of course. Uh, Rob McCoy is like on fire with this stuff. And he stood up to Governor Newsom too. In fact, he calls him Mussolini. And I thought that was kind of funny expression. (laughs) But there are people who are standing up that maybe would have just been quiet or passive or lukewarm. You know, I hate to judge them but they're like on fire now. And I think that this is part of the revival that we're seeing. It's, it's more than people just coming forward and getting saved, although that's part of it. But listen, down here in the South, just about everybody's gone forward at least once, and that doesn't mean they're saved. It's just kind of a, a cultural thing that you do at some point in your life. So give me some examples of this, this revival that you see happening, realizing what you said earlier, that sometimes you can't even really see what's happening.
1: I want to try something in answering your question. I would like those who are listening to check in with Steve and respond to this, this podcast with an email or some way, because I'm going to prove my point by asking you to do this. In every region of the United States at this moment, the fire of God is falling on a certain group of people. It could be in a gymnasium it could be in a in a living room it could be in a tent but i am getting reports like i did but we didn't have the media then we didn't have social media then but i'm telling you ladies and gentlemen i want you to listen very carefully there's not a place that i can think of in the united states where i haven't heard of a small group that's formed and maybe just to study the bible maybe just to pray together where it is suddenly gone into something else oh and they're not large the devil will tell you well it's only 50 people here 100 people there maybe 500 people over here but the consummate number means that there are fires that have broken out in virtually every geographic part of the u.s i've heard of it from New, New York state, upstate New York, Minnesota, Chicago area, uh, down in Florida. These are meetings and they don't know each other and they don't even realize they have very much in common. But, you know, you talked about the wildfires of California and we had terrible ones, terrible. The one in Clear Lake was the largest fire California's ever seen. And it burned for weeks and weeks and weeks. And before it was over, the air was so terrible over Sacramento and San Francisco, the air quality was worse than Calcutta, India, because of the smoke that came over 300 miles away. But out of that, the, the firefighters have a terminology. And they said, one of the problems we had in California, it wasn't a big fire. It was all the little ones that suddenly found each other. And that's called area ignition. That's a phenomenon that a firefighter dreads more than any other. Area ignition is when all the fires burn together. And take Paradise, for example. It was so terrible that in the equi- an equivalent of a Costco shopping center warehouse, the equivalent of a building that size was consumed every 90 seconds when it was wow. at its peak now this is what's happening in california in states all over the united states there are small groups and you know who you are and you need to check in right now because you all need to know about each other's existence some are teenagers that are preaching in some cases even children and they're in a garage and they're in a shop. some meet under a tree out in a park and you're out there and god's giving you power giving you people that are getting saved and when these fires discover each other like they did and i I mentioned charisma magazine uh, because i remember its inception and, and its contribution to church history it was through this magazine that they found each other and now we have mediums like this you need to check in because i'm telling you little fires And I'm saying it to the devil. I'm looking you in the eye, Lucifer, and I'm telling you right now, little fires are going to come together, and we're going to have area ignition, a national wave that the media is not ready to handle.
0: Wow, this is a great idea. You know, we try to report on these things as they
1: come to our attention,
0: but we need people to write us. And I'm going to tell you an email address that's easy to remember. And it's info, everybody has info, at charismamedia.com. And Charisma Media is the two words pushed together like it's one word. So it's just info at charismamedia.com, and the staff will go through them. And when you write, you know, give us some contact information and just write a couple of paragraphs about what's happening. 50 people in a home, so many people in a tent. You know, all the things that Mario was talking about, and we will be able to compile that And follow up on it and report it because you know it's like the old saying if a a tree falls in the middle of the forest and there's no one there to hear it, did it make any noise? And one of the and in our culture, a lot of times people think, well, nothing's going on. Well, actually, a lot's going on, they just don't hear about it. It's like the prophet Elijah, remember, he sat under the tree and felt like he was the only one who not bowed his knee to Baal. But what was it, the four or five thousand? people hadn't as well. He just didn't know who they were. So I think this is encouraging. It's what the media should do. It's what the Christian media, such as it is, tries to do. Although, sadly, some of the Christian media are kind of going liberal, and they just think all of this is a lot of nonsense. They're not a lot different than the secular people. So we want to report. We want to be factual. We don't want to exaggerate. But but the body of Christ needs to know is going on, and I think your idea is brilliant. And it'll be interesting to see how far this uh, video and podcast actually reaches.
1: You know, uh, I wanted to show you this little note I have, and uh, it take me just a moment to read it. But I want to explain why, with your permission. I had a dream of the Highway 99 stretching from Bakersfield to Red Bluff. The Lord said it's a corridor of my glory. So we started doing tent crusades on Highway 99. I don't know why, but God showed me in a dream it would turn into a river of his glory. Highway 99, by the way, in 2010, out of the top 10 worst cities in America, five were along Highway 99. That's one reason I suspect this is happening. Every tent crusade we've had along Highway 99 had had elements of the supernatural. People have been told while riding on a freeway to get in the tent and they get saved and delivered from heroin. We've had occasions where people that didn't even know why they were there, they would come early and sit in the tent. And we moved it from, we've been in Bakersfield, we've been in Fresno, we've been in Hanford, Dinuba, we've been in in Modesto, and now we're going to Sacramento. We're moving up the river in faithfulness. So I get this letter, and it is this. This lady said, I don't know how to get this to Mario. My son, a former youth pastor, mental health counselor, weary and devastated betrayals, being asked to use evil philosophies to work with disturbed youth, just quit and became a long-haul truck driver. While driving through California, he got hit with what he described as a wailing wall anointing. He has been cold in his walk with God. He described this experience. I asked if he had heard of the meetings with Mario Murillo. When I explained about the conviction, weeping, groaning, and need to get right with God, my son asked, where were these meetings held? And when I explained, he became ecstatic and said, that's where I was, Mom. That's where I got hit. I was driving right in that area. He then proceeded to tell me, this is the part that shook me. He proceeded to tell me the greatest move of God ever to hit the planet is coming. I'd only been telling him that for 20 years, LOL. I'm calling my pastor, he said. He's got to get ready for this. He's not ready for what's coming. You don't understand. This is way more than has ever been heard of before. Praise God. Mario would be blessed to know the anointing is spreading throughout the land. He's on Highway 99. He's never heard of us. And he is filled with the glory of God. Wow, this is
0: so exciting. And, you know, we could talk about this for a long, long time. We're going to have to wrap this up. And, you know, I've said this before. I figure if people are watching this long or listening this long, they're interested. But, uh, Marvolo, you had an enormous, life-changing impact on me in the summer of 1971 at Alliance Redwoods, up in the mountains yes, somewhere in northern California. It was, uh, a, I was serving the Lord. I was on fire for God, but my whole spiritual story as a teenager and young adult was up and down and up and down. And something happened to me that week, and mm-hmm. I, you know, there are there are half a dozen spiritual experiences in my life that I can uh, look at and see that they were pivotal in what God wanted me to do. And God used you, in my life at that time, I would have been a 20-year-old college guy. I was from Florida. I didn't even know very many of the people. And, uh, you know, to be able to connect with you all these years later to see how God has used you, I just want to tell you, thank you know, personally, thank thank you uh, for being faithful to the Lord. You ministered to many, many people that week. And I was out there in the audience. And God just really used you. And and some other people, we've talked about this before, but I just wanted to say in this setting. And then as we wrap up this podcast, I'll give you the last word.
1: I'd love everyone to pray for our tent crusade coming up at Sammy Rodriguez's campus there. It's new season uh, worship. And we are going to use his land, which is in the heart of the inner city of Sacramento, we're putting up a phenomenal tent, and our workers are heavily at work, and people are getting saved as we're preparing for the Tent Crusade, and that's August 8th through the 11th, and uh, I don't want to put a date on this podcast unnecessarily, but their prayers are <laughs> certainly appreciated. Well, people will be
0: listening to this podcast months and probably years from now, but it, it, it'll be interesting to reflect on on what was going on in July of uh, 2021. So, thank you, Mario Murillo. Uh Fresh Fire Ministries. Now from Nashville, Tennessee, that I, that's hard for me to get my mind around. I think you're yeah. a Northern California
1: guy. Well, we're actually going to have a center. We're our main center is still going to be in Northern California. We're going to have two uh, centers. One is in Nashville. Because there's land and the other is Northern California, where we are buying property and getting ready for a permanent footprint on the Highway 99.
0: Praise God. That's so exciting. And
1: thank you to my
0: listeners for tuning in today uh, or those of you who are watching via video. God bless you. Tune in again tomorrow for another episode on the Charisma Podcast Network. God bless you.
1: Thank you for listening to The Strang Report with Steve Strang. To read more from Steve, visit his blog, The Strang Report, on Charismamag.com. Again, it's The Strang Report on Charismamag.com.
0: This is Stephen Strang, and I'm back in the studio. I hope my interview with you went to read the book. I believe that God and Cancel Culture is very important, the most important book that I've written. And I want to invite you to visit my website. SteveStrangBooks.com, where you'll receive over $120 of free gifts when you pre order the book before September 7th when it officially releases. When you order, you will receive four free ebooks, including my bestseller, God and Donald Trump, plus Jonathan Kahn's book, The Harbinger, plus a subscription to Charisma Magazine. I hope that makes you want to. Order the book on stevestrangbooks.com. That's my name, Steve Strang, books with an S dot com. Go to the website and order today. Thank you for listening and God bless you.